Welcome to the 18 Degrees Below Horizon podcast. Real conversations about mental wellness because no one should feel alone. Join your hosts, Dr. Nicola Felton and John Fouts, as they discuss relevant topics suggested by listeners just like you. Keep in mind that our content is for edutainment purposes only, since a podcast is a one-way street. We hope that we can inspire you to find therapy if you need it. Yeah, and give you some laughs while we're at it. Listening is a lost art form. There's, um, yeah, there's many like ways of listening or types of listening, all that. And mm-hmm. people's done the research, you know, and um, how listening is really good for you too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an essential part of, of uh, communication. But then people get lost with like when you stop listening and you start sharing your thoughts and. Sometimes for some people, listening means like keeping your thoughts to yourself. And that's Mm -hmm. not fair either, right? Right. So, yeah. 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 And I know some people are concerned they don't want to be proven wrong. But on the other hand, if you don't listen, you'll never find a better way to do something. And Mm -hmm. I've been around some people, um, you know, editors in particular, and they're just like, oh, no, this is the way you do it. This is the way you do it. And that yeah. no not all i mean you know there's so many different ways that you can accomplish the end result and all the people see all, uh, as we entertain is what we've edited and put out there for them they don't know what we edited on with where we uh sober drunk uh did it take us uh, five weeks or did it take us one sleepless night you know and yeah. um mm-hmm. you know but it's when you feel so egotistical that you can't listen because I've always learned from what people are telling me, even if it's just one thing and then all the rest I throw out. And again, it goes right back to that Tony Stark workstation where it's like, okay, here's the, the first, um, you know, Iron Man armor, the suit. And I like this and I'm going to throw everything else in the trash. But if, if you don't listen, you never can make that decision for yourself. Right. Right. So I thought it was interesting that, um, let's see here. The, uh, definition of conversation is an informal talk between two or more people. And I find more and more that it is one person more or less dictating to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't work. You can dictate to Siri because yeah, Siri doesn't care whoever your little AI assistant is. But mm-hmm. yeah, as far as people, they need to be respected and they need to feel that they are a value or they shut down. Mm-hmm. And I see that happening so much in the workspace, um, even though I'm an army of one right now. But back when I was working for the company, um, we would sit around, we'd have these meetings where we were all supposed to express what we thought the direction for the company, or is this a good show? What's the the best way to promote a movie? And ultimately, the, the decision maker wasn't even listening to anything. Uh, that person yeah. had already made up their mind. And, you know, and so after a while, it was like, why are we even having these meetings? You're just going to do what you want to do. So, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. All righty. <laughs> but, you know, you, where you sit um, at work, it's a completely different scenario because you right. are not only paid to listen, um, you mm-hmm. know that you have to listen in order to analyze and try to look. It's almost like, you know, the tree has so many different leaves, but if you don't look at the roots, if you don't start there, and sometimes it's hard yeah. to find those roots. So, um, yeah. you know, versus just going out with a friend and being there for them and listening to, you know, what they have to say. Right. Right. I do look at listening differently. Um, probably apply it, um, to regular relationships Mm -hmm. in a way that, 
I don't know, may, may or may not be effective. Um, but that's when you get people say, are you diagnosing me? Are you analyzing me? <laughs> um, and uh, you just, you know, you're practicing uh, active listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and active listening in regular relationships, um, like your family and friends and so forth, that goes a long way when you don't really either you're very interested in what they have to say or you mm-hmm. don't really agree with what they have to say. And so then you have to give yourself permission to listen to what they have to say so you can find something credible to give feedback on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it looks like you're just being combative and you're you know, not being attentive. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, yeah. But, I mean, we learned in school that listening in itself was like an um, – it's uh it's a process you know it's it's, it's effective mm-hmm. uh, it's a cognitive behavioral process where you're actually um i don't know if you're listening like really really well because you are also processing and thinking at the time that people are talking right um and so uh so you come back with something that's uh, uh applicable something that's uh thoughtful um in a word in a way that they can understand that yes i was listening but i was also processing um and so it makes it very difficult. So there's a lot of different listening styles that, that different people talk about. But um, um, I think there is like four or five that uh, we can at least start talking about to kind of see, um, I guess, listeners to the podcast can see like where they are, like they're appreciative listening, um, relationship listening, which is totally different, mm-hmm. um, critical listening and um discriminative listening mm-hmm. um and they're really kind of self-explanatory but sometimes uh like when people go through things and they want to process and they could talk for hours and hours and hours um <laughs> and they just want you to, they just want you to listen to them and right. they'll say like especially husband and wives i just want you to listen to what i have to say i just needed to get need to get it out and then you don't have to actually process mm-hmm. or think about it or overthink it too much when they're when they're speaking and so that's a good way of listening in relationships but that is an art form that has to be um, practice. Um, and then because there's some people who will say that and then after about an hour of them talking and they're tired of talking, they'll say, you're not listening to me. You don't have anything to say, you know, uh, and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. So but then sometimes <laughs> when you do say yeah. something, then you're not listening, you know, it's right. like, why, right. why you're you interrupting me? Yeah. 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 Did you hear anything? I said, you know, so it's um, so 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 with that, that means that you have to just like any relationship, you have to learn how that person wants to communicate, mm-hmm. you know, or needs to communicate and um, how they receive feedback. Um, it's just like uh, the book, the, the Love Languages. And it talks about how a person receives love, how they give love, how they like to give love to children, how they like to receive love to children. And it really breaks it down. It's the same way of communicating. Like, mm-hmm. how do you like to uh, communicate and be listened to? How you like to be heard uh, when you're in, you know, at work, when you're in with your children, when you're in relationships? Because sometimes we want to be more authoritative with our kids. So it's like, just listen to what I said, do exactly what I said, and don't deviate. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want your opinion. Um, <laughs> and so that doesn't always give a best best result, but it happens. Um, <laughs> but you don't necessarily want that with your spouse. With your spouse, you want, you know, feedback. Um, right. So it just depends. And when we're in different roles, like if you're a boss, I mean, you might want to uh, lead your people at work the same way you want to lead your children. I'll just tell you what to do, you do it, and then it will be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to become, um, you know, varying degrees of being a good listener uh, based on the person that you're actually listening to. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, and back to what you were saying in the beginning, it does lend us to a situation where we might feel as though we're not getting ourselves hurt. Like we're not being heard because we can't speak or we can't say anything and we don't want to offend someone or we don't want to interrupt them and you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, like, I would just listening, listen, and then ask you, um, you know, and that's like kind of grounds for an argument. Like, is it okay for me to talk now? Can I say something now? You know, right. uh, <laughs> and so that leads to like something totally different. So, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, you coming up with the topic, the art of listening is, is true because it really is, uh, it is an art form. Mm-hmm. And every time you have an interaction with a different person, it's a different campus. It is. Um, and so, you know, you have to, yeah, you have to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. And amidst of everything else that you have to learn how to do right. in this adulting world, you have to <laughs> learn how to communicate. So, yeah. Right. And I think you have to, <laughs> yeah. you know, you if you can learn to quiet your own mind, I think that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And because um, there are times when I am very distracted by whatever I'm creating, whether I'm writing or editing or whatever, and I'm I'm always processing how to, you know, like here's another facet of this character that I'm writing for or whatever the case may be. And so mm-hmm. I have to quiet that. I have to shut all that off or at least put it on the back burner, as uh, the old folks would say, and um, and focus on whoever's talking to me. Um, right. Michelle confessed last night and overall my grammar's fine. Sometimes I just get sloppy with it because I'm tired, but um, overall, I do try to represent myself well, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, mm-hmm. but anyway, she said that, you know, at work when people are talking to her and they use bad grammar, that so stumps her because she is such a loving person and she can love the unlovable. I, that's one of the many things I admire about her, but the fact that that will trump her up and she then is focused on, I can't believe you just said that in a sentence and it is grammatically incorrect. <laughs> and then she won't hear the next 10 sentences and then she has to try to play catch up. So anyway, it's just funny how different people wow. process these different things. Yeah, it is very interesting. Um, I was uh, speaking uh, with a young gentleman the other day as my son. <laughs> and it just reminds me of what you just you know said about your wife mm-hmm. um, that sometimes there are things that are like pet peeves and right. it's so um, interesting because um, I guess to make it make it simple at a certain point in the conversation if he can hear them going in a certain direction he starts to hear want 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 it's just like the old peanuts gang listening to the teacher right I'm like what <laughs> yeah it, 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 you know so so right so then how is how is active listening, you know, smiling mm-hmm. and, and he's asking me, like, how do you process this? Because you you have to learn to smile and nod your head and, you know, continue listening because you can't say to a person, you know, hand in the face. I don't want to hear anything else you've got to say because you just threw me for a loop. You know, right. so you can't do that. Um, and you let them finish. And then sometimes when they finish, you know, depending on where you're from, the north, south, east or west. Mm-hmm. Did you just say that? Did you say, just say what I think you said? Right. You know, and and realize you you need to realize you did not hear everything they had to say. Right. And then when you're talking about uh, like dynamics, because we were actually talking about basketball. Mm-hmm. And so you had the dynamics of that circle there. So here you are in the middle, you know, you're the player and you got two coaches. And so one coach just has one thing to say and another coach has another thing to say. Mm-hmm. But you actually have to listen to what they both have to say and then measure the value <laughs> of who is speaking to you and giving you certain information to determine what it is you're going to process and listen to. Right. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, because in you know, I don't know a whole lot of basketball, I'm a basketball mom. But <laughs> when you're you know, when you have one coach and he's saying, I need you to do this, 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 and this, and you're like in your mind, okay, I need to follow that, but what I'm doing is working, so I don't know if I need to switch it up. <laughs> and the other coach goes, goes, You're doing a great job, keep right. Keep it up. And you know, so you have to make that that moment. But he's you know, his question was, How do you know which one to listen to? Well, uh, we're talking about practice or we're talking about game. Mm-hmm. Because if we're talking about a game and we're talking about points, and their team is down and they need points, and you know you can make the shot, you got to go with your gut. Mm-hmm. Yes, you might get chastised later for not listening to me, you know, mm-hmm. but you have to you have to make a choice. And it's just, you know the same thing in conversation. You just nod your head and smile and keep going on. And sometimes people just want you to listen to them. It doesn't matter whether they're right, wrong, or indifferent. They mm-hmm. just want to be heard. And nodding to them is a way to acknowledge, I heard you. Don't agree with that, but I heard you, you know, so, <laughs> right. you know, and, and so that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the thing in that, in that dynamics. But it's an interesting question that, um, you know, kids ask, adults don't usually ask, like, how do I deal with this? You know, mm-hmm. unless you're in a marriage and there's like arguments all the time. It's like, how do we communicate? How do you work it through? But in your daily life, nobody's going to say, how should I have responded to my boss? You know, mm-hmm. um, which would normally imply that they did not respond in an appropriate way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you know, what could I have? What could I have done differently? And sometimes you know, there's so, no right uh, response. Yeah. I mean, sometimes yeah, you're just yeah. you're just screwed. It's not going to work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't know where you want to go, but I just to add some substance to it. I would like to talk about at least like maybe four of the different types of listening. Yeah. Um. So that the listeners can see that there are different types of listeners for different scenarios, different relationships, different canvases. Mm-hmm. And then they can make the decision like more in the moment of uh, what kind of listening they're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, yeah. as a preface, and I know we discussed this during our holiday um, you know, podcast, there, just as there are some family members that maybe you need to avoid there are certain mm-hmm. conversations you just may need to mm-hmm. avoid. If you know that you are your politics or religion or whatever is in opposition to whoever is being a blowhard, maybe it's good mm-hmm. for you not to be around that person. You know, you, you may have things in common. You may work together, but um, don't be afraid just to say, hey, I, I'm not talking that with you. There, there's a good friend of mine who um, older guy, but he, he ran the music store. And there was one time I came in and I hadn't seen him in probably 10 years. And he recognized me right off because I was a little kid. I used to ride my bike down there and uh, pick up music and stuff. But anyway, and I said, man, we should catch up. And he said, well, not about politics or religion, but I want to hear everything else you've been doing. So he set that that stage and I was I was fine with that. Those are not things that I enjoy talking about anyway. So but just stay safe. You know, set those boundaries yeah, and then exactly. stick to it. Yeah, I, I think boundaries are, oh my gosh, they're probably the most important, um, most important, most important point you can make um, mm-hmm. because that's sometimes, um, you know, because there's a, that phrase that I like to use with people. You don't have to listen to that. Right. <laughs> you know? right. um, and so that is really about setting healthy boundaries, because when you have people, especially young people who are uh, very emotionally driven mm-hmm. um, and me having a teenager, sometimes I have I have that mm-hmm. where um, he gets you know, like really frustrated when he feels as though people are not um, being fair to others, when they're judging others, when they're making comments that are not uh, conducive to, you know, positive 
a good Christian-like behavior, mm-hmm. and he has something to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, you know, you only have to listen to so much, like the beginning, to let you know. I don't want to hear any more of it. That's all you need to hear. <laughs> you can walk away. You can turn around. Like, I'm not going to say anything to right. you for making a decision on the spot. You know what I mean? Um, so it's it's um, it's it's different. Like, I, I think that you can learn from people, especially when we start talking about religion and mm-hmm. politics. And they always group those two together. But I, th- I think that they're very different. I think people can have conversation about religion mm-hmm. uh, and be a priest of others. Politics is something um not there yet. Right. Uh, we as a society, we're not there yet. But um, but I you think can it takes humility people. and openness yes. to mm-hmm. be able to listen because I love having philosophical conversations with the right people about with the right people. Yeah, about faith, about politics, about whatever. I I'm, I enjoy. It's the science of me listening and being amazed at how differently some people think. You know, but right. yet they're humble mm-hmm. enough to open up their conversation to me as well. It's not a dictation. It's not a blowhard just saying this is the way the world should work. This would be perfect. Um, everybody else right. is wrong. And you find that in right. every circle. I, I, as I've discussed before, there was a, uh, the, a book on Buddhist philosophy that I had, and I enjoyed it so much up until the end where pretty much it was like, yeah, everybody else sucks. Buddhist are correct. And I'm like, that's wrong, <laughs> man. And that, that surprised me because I didn't expect that from a Buddhist book. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But yeah. anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah. but, but I think it's important to, um, to listen to people who have different, uh, thoughts and beliefs because you, you know, we get very, um, discriminatory towards other people mm-hmm. when we're, they're not the same as us. Um, they're different, unique, whatever and we want to say that what we're doing is right and what they're doing is wrong mm-hmm. uh, and we don't realize that i don't think we realize we hold on to those prejudice thinking that we think that they're uh different because they don't agree with what we're what we're thinking about and morally <laughs> there's some things are just wrong this is this is this is very true i don't want to minimize that at all right. but at the same time not everything that a person thinks or believes is wrong simply because they don't agree with you right um, so yeah, but so, so one of them appreciative listening is one of the ones I wanted to talk about. That's the one that I was mentioning when you do a whole lot of, I understand, and you're really listening for, uh, content and listening for that person to have a sounding board, mm-hmm. um, not to be offended by anything. Cause most of the time when you're listening, they're not really, they're not talking about you. They're talking about like an experience that they had or something they went through that was either exciting uh, and uplifting or like sad and depressing, but either way, they just need a soundboard. Right. Um, um, and so, uh, you know, and just appreciating where they're coming from and what they're going through and just being, uh, a, a sympathetic ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one type of listening. I think that you can do anywhere. Like, even if you're at work, sometimes there are people who, you know, they've got personal things going on and, you know, they want to come in and go, you know, I know I was supposed to get that assignment done, but I couldn't get it done. So my mom, you know, got sick, had to go to the hospital and I've been up all night long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you really want to go, I need you to get that done. But at some point you have to say, I understand, you know, mm-hmm. and because they're telling you because they need an extension. So right. just, you know, make, you got to make that happen. But, um, you know, but just kind of appreciating where people are coming from, even someone, um, coming from an, uh, you know, a uh, uh, perspective of um, a political stance, you know, mm-hmm. and not really, um, you know, in some cases where you have people that are Trump supporters and other people that are not, but just in case uh, Donald Trump were to do something that they didn't 
the Trump supporter did not agree with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wouldn't normally talk to them, but say they're they're frustrated. Like, I can't believe you did that. You know, mm-hmm. you can be, you know, just have a listening ear to hear what they have to say. Um, because I've heard some people say, uh, mainly in this particular area, farmers and stuff, and have some concerns about what was promised to them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, they, what they felt like was promised to them. I know there was actually directly promised to them, but you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Right. How, they, how they felt and what they believed and it didn't work out. And so you just, normally I wouldn't hold a conversation with them, but they just want you to hear, you know, right. that they've got some pain and they're hurt by that. And, um, and that's good because otherwise you end up ostracizing ourselves because we're all part of the community. We're all, you know, citizens and you have all these people in politics who we're, you know, supporting and basing our whole lifestyles on it. And they do their four years or eight years or whatever. And they're gone. Right. Um, but the rest of our lives go on. And so, and not to judge people and hold that against them, then you find a way to really listen to what they have to say and, you know, appreciate the stance that they're taking and being strong and bold enough to, to take it, mm-hmm. whether, you know, for or against what you believe, you know, so. Mm-hmm. so that's one type of listening that could be really good. Just really kind of listen to someone who may have a different viewpoint mm-hmm. than you. Uh, and then appreciating where they're coming from and just sometimes kind of how brave they are for just being able to speak their minds, mm-hmm. even if it's not something they would normally do. Right. Now, how to be how yeah. much should people get hung up on body posture when they're in this listening state? Because I know some I people are just that, like, don't cross your arms, don't cross your legs, don't lean back. You need to lean forward and be completely open and all this stuff. But it really... When someone comes into your office or comes into your home or you bump into them in the grocery store and they're upset or troubled or or maybe they're just happy, maybe something great happened, but they want you to listen. But I think for those people who have ever studied body language, sometimes we overthink that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think body language is very, very important um, because it's something that I actively practice. I kind of have to. Um, but you have to read into a person's um, body language when they're speaking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain things, especially the arm fold, because the arm fold really means um, they don't want to invite you in. Mm-hmm. They're not really comfortable talking. Uh, they're not really being open. And it may sound like they're being open, uh, but they're not. Mm-hmm. At the same time, having your arms folded might mean that you're cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, yeah. So that's the other thing they're talking is, oh, you know, and this, 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 and this, but they're freezing. Right. Um, and so um, you have to really kind of determine based on what you're listening to, um, if you're hearing them being open and honest or you're being them hearing them doing something else. Now, I'll tell you one thing about the arm folding is if you're talking to someone and you're communicating and they're listening to you and then they fold their arms, mm-hmm. that that really is um, go ahead and wrap up what you have to say. Cause not really, <laughs> no, yeah. And so, yeah, so, so body language is very, is very important. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important to lean, to lean forward and talk to someone, but then you have this thing about, oh my God, you're in my personal space. Um, and so, you, you know, because <laughs> it, it's all twofold. It really is. And so um, I think body language is important, but if you're trying to, in a situation where a young man or a young woman is trying to talk to another young man or young woman, if they're folding their arms, if they're leaning away, if they're leaning on the wall, if they're turning away, listening to you, they're not interested in what you have to say. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to date you. They're not trying to have a conversation with you. And it's better to just wrap it up <laughs> so you don't feel silly and say, well, it's been nice talking to you, you know, and then walk on. That means, so in that instance, you really do have to understand and interpret body language. Mm-hmm. But if you're having a conversation with someone that you really care about what they're saying to you um, and you've 
you've got negative body language, like they're looking away or they're shuffling or they're folding their arms. They're not saying anything, but they're putting their hands on the hip, taking the hands off the hip. They have all this emotion going on with their body language. <laughs> you do need to stop talking mm-hmm. and ask them if they're okay. Ask them if they're listening, because I can't tell you how many conversations started with, let me tell you about my day. Oh, you don't want to hear it? Oh, I can see by the body language. You're not interested in anything <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> oh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Next thing you know, you have an argument, but right. it's one-sided, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> and all you can see is the husband or the wife with their hands out, like, what? Wait, wait, what did I say? <laughs> you know, so you have to- <laughs> Let me go get my coat, and then I'll listen, right? <laughs> hey, let me get my coat, because I'm cold. But, um, yeah, but so it's, you know, it's very interesting. But it is, you know, I think uh, in priesthood listening, you have to be mindful of your body language. Mm-hmm. It's important to you know keep your hands down. If you're cold, just say that. If you, because most of the time, if you're in a conversation, your arms are down. Mm-hmm. A person is talking to you, and you're listening, and you fold your arms. They will stop what they're saying and say, "Are you okay?" Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like you have something to say, right? And right. you're like, "No, no, no, I'm just cold." <laughs> and so then you you clarify why you have your arms closed, uh, uh, crossed, and then you know they can go on with their conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so body language is uh, is pretty important. And not everybody knows the body language, but you know what you're thinking and you know how you're feeling. Right. Um, your body language is going to, your body language is going to show it. Um, <laughs> not to mention all the facial grimaces that you could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> I worked with two people that would sit there at the board table, <laughs> the boardroom and, you know, sit at the table. And yeah. I was amused with the fact that they had no poker face. And when, <laughs> and when, when, when the leaders would say, ah, well, no, we're just going to go with whatever, you know, and the, mm-hmm. the looks on their faces, it was priceless. Yeah. Uh, it's very yep. yeah. I, I've had our clients holding conversations with me. They're talking, I'm listening. I'm thinking I'm doing a very good job of listening because mm-hmm. I really am listening. Right. And then they'll say, Ooh, I can see by your face. You do not agree with that. Or I can see, <laughs> Oh, what's that look? What's that look? Oh, and then they start to explain themselves. And I said, you don't have to explain yourself. It's okay. Oh, no, 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 no. I can tell by the look on your face. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> the poker face. You know, got to get the poker face. That's but it. Sometimes I'm just like amazed. I'm like, wow, right? right. Like, did that really happen? Some, Are you really? Yep. Some things you right just, when yeah. you hear it, it is, you, you've never heard it before. And, uh, mm-hmm. or you never thought that really happened or whatever. And yeah, mm-hmm. you, you do have that jaw dropping moment and that is just honest expression. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say I'm human, you know, cause it's like, it's like a wow. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> so that's appreciative listening, like really, really showing a person that you're, you're, you're listening, you're understanding what they're saying. And it's not really a conversation at that time. Right. Um, and you can always be open and ask a person, do you want feedback? You know, do you want to know what I'm thinking? Cause a lot of people think because you're talking to them that they really, then it's okay for them to give you feedback. And you're like, I don't really want feedback. Right. Cause sometimes you are <laughs> just, just blowing off steam. You need someone to listen mm-hmm. to you who knows that you're not really going to go pummel somebody or throw a car through right. a window or whatever. You're just trying to blow off steam because you're that frustrated. That's very interesting. <laughs> I just said that you said that. So yep. that leads us to the next, the next one, which is critical listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, sometimes you have to really listen to what a person has to say to determine whether or not they are going to do what they're saying. Right. Um, and whether or not it's going to be like threatening or harmful to, you know, someone else. So mm-hmm. That's very, very important. 
And did you know that that all of us, everyone, as members of society, um, that we actually, it's like an unwritten law, but it is, um, you can be charged with it if you don't do it. Critical listening to a person who's telling you they're going to harm someone else, mm-hmm. you actually have, um, you, you, you have to go and let someone know, like the uh, reporting, like anyone could be a reporter of something if a person says, I'm going to harm someone or I'm going to harm myself, mm-hmm. like you have a responsibility to report that. Wow. Um, and if you don't and legally they find out that um, you didn't, then they could charge you with whatever harm that person did. Like like being um, not a co-conspirator, but a, right. I guess like An a, accomplice a bystander. In a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. An inactive bystander. So. Yeah. Which very, I, it's very interesting. It is, mm-hmm. and I, I've I'd never heard that. I knew that you, uh, being a you know licensed therapist, if you mm-hmm. thought someone was a danger to themselves or others, you would have to report it. But I didn't know that was across the board, and um, you know that all of us. And but I see more people not acting upon those kinds of threats these days mm-hmm. than twenty, thirty years ago. Where it's like, oh wait, now you you I hear what you're saying, and I'm realizing I'm I'm over here shopping for cereal. You're in the pop tart section, but I'm not going to stand for this, you know. Versus, I think more people just they don't want to know their neighbors. They don't want to know. They don't want to get involved. They're very apathetic. Yeah, yeah. There's um there's a thing that's called the bystander effect, and mm-hmm. it basically means uh, you're more apt to get help mm-hmm. if you're hurt or something. Uh, or being accosted if one person sees you versus 10 people seeing you mm. of those 10 people you got one person going but well, that person saw them right they're going to do something <laughs> and you got another person going i don't i don't have the ability the physical ability to be able to go over there and help those help that person right another person saying uh i'm not going to use my minutes on my phone to call someone somebody else is saying somebody else is going to call someone somebody else saying i think i might know that person so i don't want to get involved and <laughs> another person saying i should i should be be here so i really don't want my name on you know my my picture on the on the news you know and by the time you finish the you got this this cuz that happened many many years ago there was a girl that was um uh, beaten and raped outside of an apartment building they had 10 witnesses I mean, literally witnesses wow. who identify from beginning to end what happened to her mm-hmm. to identify the person that, that attacked her. They caught him and all that. But in the end, they all had a reason, legitimate reason for themselves as to why they didn't do anything to help. A lot of it went back to I thought this other person was going to do it. Right. And so um, so now, I mean, like I said, like in a court of law, if a lawyer could prove it. They had this one guy, they was actually charging him with murder of a girl who committed suicide. And um, they did not know she committed suicide. They thought he had hung her. And come to find out, he actually filmed the whole thing. He had contacted her um, on some website. Mm -hmm. He knew she wanted to commit suicide. And he kept like giving her ideas and ways to do it. And she was saying she was 15 years old and he wow. was a, an adult Yeah. Um, and saying, you know, I don't, she's like, I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. I do want to die, blah, blah. So basically he met her out in the woods. He supplied the rope. He told her how to tie it up on the tree. She, he didn't do it. He right. told her how to tie it on the tree. He recorded it so that they would not be able to say that he actually murdered her because he was there. Mm-hmm. They weren't hiding like DNA or anything. And so they found out he was there. Um, but in the end they had the tape to show that she really wanted to, to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what he ended up 
doing was making sure the rope didn't break or something like that. And he tugged it tight and whatever. He ended mm-hmm. up getting time in jail mm-hmm. uh, for, um, I think it was contributing to the delinquency of a minor, mm-hmm. something like that. Right. But once they, what they stated in court was that you had a responsibility to contact her parents or contact the authority. They said that you had this 15-year-old child who wanted to commit suicide. Wow. And I met her mom had dropped her off at uh, work. She's 15 or 16, but she dropped her off at work and went to pick her up and she just disappeared. And basically she went to work, left work, and he picked her up and they drove to the woods very near where she worked and she hung herself in the woods. Hmm. And so situations like that were, were happening. There was another one where this girl um, whose boyfriend committed suicide and they found all the text messages saying, you haven't done it yet? What do you mean? Just shoot yourself or just take the pills or just wow. all different ways. He kept chicken, chickening out and she just kept doing it until basically I think he shot himself in the in the car and the parents wanted her charged with murder. She did get charged. She did spend some time in jail. Yeah. But it was also contributing to his like poor mental health or something like that. But they found they're finding loopholes like you need to help these people, mm-hmm. you know. And so something's wrong mentally with a uh, a person who will um push someone, especially someone that they care about, mm-hmm. right? Um to the edge like you're over the edge i'm supposed to pull you back but instead i'm going to push you over right you know right uh, and, and so um mentally something's wrong with well, i'm with them anyway but it's very interesting it does sound very uh so, you know hannibal lecter it does sound very hannibal lecter except for <laughs> hannibal lecter would definitely be um he's not gonna let you go over a cliff because he got things to do with different parts of because right. <laughs> <laughs> it's always dinner time somewhere right <laughs> that's right always dinner time somewhere he is, uh, very interesting kind of a lector yep. one of my favorite characters by the way this is one of his favorite characters yeah. but so critical listening is important when a person is um talking to you and they're sharing something you do need to listen to what they have to say um i can't remember the name of the show if it was called office space it was called office space, but there was a gentleman in there. They had fired him and he didn't want to leave. And he kept talking about, um, you know, if they take my stapler, then I'm going to be very angry. And if they do this, I'm going to be very angry. And then it's like, if they move me out office again, because they basically moved him from space to space to space. They moved him down to the basement and he would just say under his breath, the camera would like pan through him slowly and then go do something else. And the last thing he said was, if they, if they move me to the basement, then, then I'm going to, I'm going to burn the building down. Mm-hmm. And the last segment of the show, the building was on fire. And it's oh. like, nobody has listening to this guy right. at all but it was a com- it was a comedy it was a sitcom right i think it was called office or office space or something like that right but it was all like in the maybe in the 90s or early 2000s but i don't know it was it was, it was funny yeah but you're right you, the you never like, know some yeah. of these people that just yeah. sound sarcastic they're very serious and then sometimes right. the exactly. people who are the most serious are not really serious and it's and it right. does take very critical listening it's almost like sherlock holmes kind of interpretation Mm-hmm. You have to listen to what they have to say. Um, and, you know, when you can learn how to do that, um, other people that you talk to will, you know, they will, they will reciprocate. You know, um, when people see that you're doing, they want to practice the same abilities. Sometimes that's the best way to teach people, even if you're, if you're adults, you mean you're still learning something new. But I think if you can express that um, or display that to other people, then they can display that to you as well. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. <laughs> how to do it okay so here's one that's really cool mm-hmm. and it's called relationship listening what do you think that's about um 
I'm assuming it's uh, you are listening to whoever you're in the relationship with, and it's d- them discussing their view of you. So <laughs> is that is that more on point? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost, very close, very close. But because um, not just their view of you, their view of everything. Gotcha. Um, but it's uh, but you listen differently in a relationship because sometimes in a relationship you have to apply like all of the types of listening, but sometimes you have to do something because you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, it's not just, um, you know, your spouse is complaining about a bad day. Like you may actually have to do something to make sure there's not another bad day or that there's mm-hmm. not a series of bad days mm-hmm. or do something, you know, make sure that there's like a really good day coming up. Right. You know? So you end up with the responsibility in that relationship, um, based on what you've heard to make things better. So it's kind of like, if every day one spouse shows, you know, comes home after a long day of work and the other spouse is, you know, like stay at home uh, partner and mm-hmm. the dishes are never done, they're never unloaded, the clothes are never folded. And so there's more work for that working partner to do when they get home um, and mm-hmm. they voice it, you know, like this is not what I need when I get home. And um, so is that kind of what you're kind of in the ballpark that's half of it. The yeah. other half is exact same scenario. Mm-hmm. The person who is a working spouse comes home, needs to listen to what's not being said mm-hmm. in relationship listening. Mm-hmm. Because the question is not always, I'm tired and I don't want to have to come home and unload the dishes and cook dinner and things. But the question could be, what's going on with you that these things aren't done? Mm-hmm. Deep. How, I like that. How, yeah. Mm-hmm. How was your day? Mm-hmm. You know, did something happen and you, you know, you weren't able to get to them. So that's um, especially if it's a consistent thing, you know, you start looking at, you know, what other things are going on in the life of your, your spouse that you're not seeing every day. You're assuming that they're at home and they've got plenty of time and they mm-hmm. can do this and take a break and do that and take a break. But you just don't know what they've gone through because they didn't have a work day. So, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't ask. And so, yeah. So just remember, you know, it does it does go both ways because I can't tell you how many times that I've stayed at home and I've said at the end of the day, well, I'm really tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I need my husband to be able to hear what I had to say and do something about it and not come back with, what do you mean you're tired? You haven't done anything all day. Right. You know, that's not what you want to hear. You're like, whoa, you know, I'm tired. Like, you have no idea what I've been doing, you know. So, Yeah. So in relationship listening, it, you know, it's, it, um, it goes both ways. So you have to like hear what's not being said, right. like you know, what's not actually being verbalized as well. So, yeah, yeah. We assume that, you know, when we go to work, when we leave the house and go to work, mm-hmm. it's easier to get things done because other people are involved in helping us get those things done because they're making demands on us or they've got their role to play. They're doing that. So now we've got to do this. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're at home, um, or you're working for yourself or whatever, things may not go as smoothly. Um, and you know, things are different. Like you think about the difference of being your own boss versus being at work. You're sometimes, depending on how your brain works, mm-hmm. sometimes you're more apt to get things done when you have more pressure on you mm-hmm. or other people needing things from you versus you, you know, putting pressure on yourself because you can say, oh, I'm not going to do it right now. I don't feel like it. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you realize you need to get it done and then you're rushing and then you're tired. Mm-hmm. And 
So, um, so demand is, is, is different. And so you may or may not complete your tasks and, you know, and it, it will show in your actions, your behaviors or what it is it is not done in the house. So you actually hadn't said anything, but a person in relationship listening has to hear what's not being said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, too, yeah. I, I know too many of my friends that complain about their spouse just being a nag and, mm-hmm. you know, and they want to blame them. It's like, well, I do all this stuff. They don't do what I want them to do or need to do or whatever. And, and then, or, you know, they're um, saying, you know, as soon as I come home, then they're nagging me to do this, this, and this. And really how many times would that opener, like how was your day? How many times is that not said? And therefore they're only being a nag, which that's a derogatory term because you didn't give mm-hmm. them the opportunity to share it. And if they shared it, they wouldn't yeah. be nagging about it, you know? And, um, so it's, it's, it is in any relationship, it is supposed to be symbiotic. It's supposed to feed each other. Right. But that doesn't, you know, unfortunately does not always. happen. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And then sometimes, you know, the, like, what is it? The five love languages. I can't remember that, uh, that book, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they're cleaning the house in order to say, I love you but that's not the physical love that the other one needs. You know what I mean? So there's this, right. you mm-hmm. know, it, you, so sometimes it is all about the words, but sometimes it is about the actions too. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> it is. There's a, um, it's on Facebook. It might be on Instagram as well. I'm not sure, but it's a video series. Um, and it's probably more of a long Christian's pr- perspective, mm-hmm. uh, but it has um, actors playing scenes out. And it basically has a, a husband. He does a lot of yelling, screaming at his wife. He comes home, the dishes are in the sink. And um, he's saying, you know, you're not dressed. Like, you know, you look a mess, all sort of stuff. And um, she's just listening to him and, you know, trying to take in what he's saying. Um, but of course, in the video plays back to like how her day was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like so stressful. Like it was, it took everything she had to get dinner on the table. And she walked to the the mirror at the very end to try to like fix herself. Mm-hmm. And just as when he was coming in the door. Right. Um, and so it was, it, you know, it was like really sad. And she just ended up saying, I'm sorry, you know, mm. to him. Right. Instead of trying to explain right. all of that. And so it's <laughs> Like, wow. And it was a lot of stuff she was doing for him, like, you know, the laundry and uh, like a list of things he had gotten for her to do. And so she's going through all this chore list. And it was just so it didn't allow her to do things that she had planned on doing for that day. Um, but he wasn't being mindful of that. You know, like she getting stuck in traffic, going to get his cleaner. So 15 <laughs> minutes to go to cleaners actually took two hours, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, just not just not mindful. So. But you have to say that to people um, like in, you know, for her, um, one thing in relationship listening would be to to listen to your husband, let him say what you need to say. And if you want to avoid an argument, that's fine. Don't speak back. But at some point, write it down, give him a note or, or something mm-hmm. to let him know just how your day went. Because what happens is uh, when he's sharing his thoughts and feelings and his frustration about what he expected and it wasn't there, he's holding on to that. So the next time you do something, it's just going to pile up and pile up and pile up. Mm-hmm. So he needs to know that his interpretation of what happened is actually, you know, misinformation. Right. Um, and so I think that that's important too. And that, that whole thing comes in uh, communication. Cause when we allow, you know, our spouses, um, like one of my pet peeves is when someone says, think whatever you want to think, 
Or is that, <laughs> no. is that what you think? Is that what you believe? Yeah. You know, it's like, wait, 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 wait. You know, because that's not, that's, I understand that they're frustrated. And I understand that they believe what they want to believe. They don't want to hear what you have to say. But at some point, somehow, some way, you have to write it down or do something, make, make you know, maybe wait till they calm down. But they have to know that their interpretation of what occurred is not what actually occurred. Mm-hmm. Um that that's your interpretation of it. But, you know, what led up to that, it's important for them to know because they will hold that against you. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially you know, when I you're know, apologizing I... for it, which more or less says mm-hmm. you're right. I'm in the wrong, right. even though you're not in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's very important to, mm-hmm. to, um, to make sure you, you clarify that. I mean, I've seen people get divorces and, and husbands to say, she's always doing this and she never has the dishes done. And, you know, she's complaining <laughs> about all these things. And she just sits there and shakes her head and that's not true. And I'm just like, you know, um, you have to really think about your, your vows and how sacred they are that right. you're allowing your husband to believe these things that are not true. And now you're sitting here in this process mm-hmm. uh, trying to explain to him stuff that happened 10 years ago that really did happen. Um and because you didn't want to say anything then, and then it's led to all this animosity. So communication is very, very important. Mm-hmm. And sometimes um, it all it takes is for you to be self-aware, know that you are mm-hmm. out of sorts, as the old folks say. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm using all the terms mm-hmm. that my mom would have used. But um, <laughs> when, you're, when you know that you are not um, really listening and being engaged or you've had a bad day or whatever the case is, when the argument right. starts – and you snap if you can realize you're you're being a uh, a butt, you know. Then you can say I'm right. I apologize for being short with you, and then they could realize, well, you know what, I came off wrong. I came off, you know, more demanding, and I was asking, and you know what I mean, because that kind of thing diffuses, yeah. and then you don't have to spend the rest of the evening being pissed off at each other. Right. Exactly. Um, I think that's very important, but people, I don't know, can you have some people, especially on the other end, they're not receiving it and they'll say, well, they're, they're not going to listen to me anyway, or they're not going to hear <laughs> what I have to say, or right. they're going to believe what they believe. Right. Um, yeah. But do try, um, do yeah. try. I mean, like whether you think they're going right. to listen here, because that's like you say, that's two different things. There's listening but not interpreting and not really giving a crap what you're listening to. And then there is truly being engaged and, you know, really taking in what they're saying. And um, so right. yeah, you, you do need to make sure that you are actually there. Right. Right. So, all right. So the, um, the last one is uh, what they call discriminative listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a basic kind of listening where you're kind of listening to um i guess the tone Mm -hmm. um listening to um sounds that people are saying i know how sometimes people put like really listening to the punctuation i suppose Mm -hmm. um some people put more emphasis on words than others but really kind of make sense of the meaning of what they're saying Mm um you know people say uh it's not what you say it's how you say it right (laughs) <laughs> um, so like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listening to how they're talking to you and how they are saying things. Mm-hmm. Um, police officers do this when they go to um, house where they've heard um, there was a domestic disturbance and they're knock on the door and person comes to the door and they say, hello, ma'am. And she's got the door like halfway cracked. Right. She won't even open the door. 
And he's like, are you okay? And she's like, oh, yes, officer, I'm fine. He said, okay, do you need any assistance? Oh, no, I don't need anything. Well, we got a call for domestic disturbance. Are you safe? Oh, yes, officer, I am, <laughs> right? right? And uh, he said, okay, well, if you need anything, just call the, the station. We will be around. and We'll come here, you know, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, yes, officer, thank you very much. Next thing you know, the police is, you know, breaking down the back door of the house. And you're like, what happened? She said she was fine, blah, 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 blah. And that's what the 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 whoever their perpetrator in the house is saying. She said she was fine. I don't even understand. They had no right to break in. They're trying to find a loophole of some sort. Mm -hmm. But the whole time, you know, her her voice is shaky. Um, she's her eyes are watery. Um, she's looking down. You know, she's giving all of this uh, body language and a tone in her voice that says, yeah, but no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, um, so that's important. Um, and that, so I think that's something, uh, people that work with, um, the public really learn, uh, discriminative listening is a, just a basic form of really paying attention to how someone is, uh, saying something to mm -hmm. the words, their inflection in their voice and so forth as to, you know, did they sound angry when they, you know, said it, like you can take the same phrase and said, um, give an example of um uh said person say it's hot in here mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um and it could mean so many different things like you could be at a club and say it's hot in here mm -hmm. right? <laughs> right check out all the girls and the guys it's hot in here you know so that could be a good thing or somebody goes into, you know, uh, come visit me in the greenhouse and go, it's hot in here. Right. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it's, like it's physically like really, really hot. Um, and then somebody comes in the kitchen and cooking food that uh, smells really good and go, it's hot in here. Mm -hmm. You know, like, all right, that smells good. Or come in and maybe the food doesn't taste well and go, ooh, it's hot in here. <laughs> you know, <it's> that. <laughs> hot like hot garbage, you know. Right. So, you know, so the, you know, it just depends on how you say it, but you have to be able to pay attention. And then, you know, just when you say something and people say, That's not what I meant by what I said. Right. And you're like, Oh, well, that's what you said. I know what you said, but that's not what I meant. I meant like it's a good thing. Well, that's not what I heard. You know, <laughs> you know it's not you know the basic listening skills. It's right. not discriminative. They weren't being discriminative in their listening. What they heard was how they would say it. Right. And and so yeah. yeah. And I think that text and emails are the worst for that as far oh, as, my yeah. gosh, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's whatever. <laughs> and I, I find that no matter who you're dealing with and no matter how kind they've been to you, the mm -hmm. loudest that they are is what you remember. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship you have with somebody for 20 years. It's the, the yeah. two years that ended that relationship. That's what you remember. Yeah. And then they send you a very yeah. innocent text. Blah, blah, blah. But you don't hear it that way in your head, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes, that's very true. That's very true. I, you know, I sometimes I wake up and some of my, you know, like my shoulder will hurt or, you know, something else that I've torn up over the years being too active. And so I'm not meaning to come off like I'm mad at you, but I'm in pain and it's hard to relay well, yes, thank you for that tea or whatever. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, hey, thanks for cleaning this whatever. And I, I do appreciate it. But sometimes it doesn't come out that way because I'm in pain. I need to stretch mm -hmm. out and, and get to feeling better. So, And then yeah. it all comes down to yeah. Groot, right? I am Groot. Mm -hmm. And 
he can say it a million different ways. And of course, Rocket always understands. So does Star-Lord. But, um, you know, it's going back to what you were saying with the, the term being hot. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. it's uh, a lot has to do with how you say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I can't tell you. I mean, that's like the biggest um, thing with communication, communication. And like I said, that's a basic, the basic listening, um, you know, and you, I can't tell you, arguments just go on for days. That's not what I meant. I know, <laughs> but that's what you said. But that's not what, well, that's not what I heard. Right. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. And so even trying to explain to someone that I made this comment that was just innocent and right. a matter of fact kind of thing. Um, and, you know, the argument go on for days until one person or the other just simply forgets about it. It's very difficult to resolve miscommunication mm -hmm. uh, when a person heard you say the exact words that you said and just misunderstood how you said it. Mm -hmm. um, either because the way you communicated or the way they received it, you know. And sometimes it's, there's no way to resolve that because in the end, those were the words you used. Right. And so you have to be, you know, very careful too in how you how you say something uh, because you can't yell at someone and say you know, fire, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and expect them not to get upset and, and, uh, and run and think that their the house is on fire. Right. Um, and you know, they mean something totally different. I don't know what you can mean by saying fire. <laughs> right. So I think of something clever. I was like, I can't think of anything. Fire means the house is on fire, but you know, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just one of those things um, that you have to really learn how uh, to to communicate and use your words wisely, so the other person is receiving it right. the way that you intend for it to be received. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, you can, I guess, with that, you can say the listening goes both ways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm sharing with you what I want you to hear, the way I want you to hear it and understand it, and then you're listening and receiving it the way that I'm giving it to you. And so, and that takes practice. Mm -hmm. Well, and, it, that takes practice. and two, I think you have to know the person's heart because there's times mm -hmm. where, whether it's an, a past experience or whether it's culturally, there's a difference. Um, but you have to understand the person's heart because sometimes mm -hmm. even, you know, Michelle will say something and I'm just like, what, what did you say to me? And it, it, because she used the same terminology as my ex, um, it didn't mean it came from the same place nor with the same intent. And you have to, cause she's my best friend and she always has my back, but sometimes mm -hmm. I will hear something and maybe I'm just in a mood on top of it. You know, sometimes it's compound A and B that uh, gives us that explosion. But if I just pause and I just say, no, you know what? This is Michelle. She loves me. She has my back full time. This is not what she means. So I'll ask her, I said, so what exactly did you mean by that? Because this is the way I'm hearing you, you know, this is the way I took it. And then she's like, oh, no, 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 that's definitely not the way I meant it. So, but you, but, you know, then again, you, you have to be open um, to somebody misinterpreting what you're saying. Mm -hmm. That's true. And then be okay with um, explaining or clarifying mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. um, because that's part of communication, too. You know, you'll hear the other part of the argument. People say, I don't have to explain myself to you. I don't have to clarify anything to you. I said what I said, and I meant what I said. I'm serious. Not, it's, to, it's, it's, not it's, to bring up Kevin Hart again, but in that Netflix <laughs> docu-series, that was one of the things where he said, in one of his stand-up, he said something about um, that if his son turns out gay, he's going to kill him. 
And this was years and years ago. So then when he, and he's a stand-up. I'm not trying to excuse what he said. Mm -hmm. It's still bad. And it's, but, Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so then when he was asked to be a part of the Oscars, you know, to host the Oscars and he was like, yes. And then somebody said they were trolling his Twitter because that's what people do. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, he said he hates gays and lesbians. So Mm -hmm. anyway, he went on Ellen or some show and explained Whatever it was, I, I I don't think they included that in the Netflix series. But so then, when his people, you know, like his his uh, press people and all that, were and his his teammates, the people who worked for him, said, "Look, you've got to go on an apology tour. You've got to make this right." No, I already explained it once. I'm not explaining it again, and <laughs> which did yeah. not work out well for Kevin Hart. It's such a learning yeah. experience watching this guy who is, who is very humble. And about a year later, he finally acknowledged, yeah, I handled it wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing of it is, is that, um, like I said, you know, no justification or anything, but um, when we hold things that people said in the past against him, I think it's important mm-hmm. to, to be able to remember and to recognize and put all of that in perspective. But there are some times that people in the past have said and did things um, that were okay then, and they kind of went right. with the norm. And then as, as time progressed and life progressed or whatever, and we're like uh, obviously more open mm-hmm. uh, and accepting to uh, gays and lesbians mm-hmm. in like whatever, they're just you know people um, more accepting now than we were 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, 30 years ago, I can go on record and say, I supported Don't Ask, Don't Tell. I was not against gays and lesbians, but I didn't think that they should let, I didn't think it was important for people to know that they were gay or lesbian in the military. I don't care about them being in the military, but I don't think it's important for people to know. And that had a lot to do with other people judging them and putting them in a box and Mm -hmm. uh, harassing them and so forth. And I didn't want that to happen to them because I knew a lot of gay people that were in the military and who cared. Right. And so when they came out and sort of lift the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy, I initially said, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea because that's a scary thing. Right. Like, what are they going to do? How are people going to treat them? What is life going to be like for them? It's actually a dangerous situation to be in. Right. Um, and so then when they became, you know, more open and, you know, everything was good to go, it's like, okay, that's great. And then full circle back around, we have an administration now going, no, you can't be openly gay in the military, which then I go back with my argument going, that was a fear mm-hmm. that you're going to have one politician saying it's okay. Another one saying it's not okay. Another one said it is okay. Cause Clinton is the one who came with the don't ask, don't dare policy. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, uh, Obama saying, oh, no, they can be openly gay, they can be transgender, they can get sex change operations and everything else. Donald Trump saying, oh, no, you know, they can't do that. Right. And what's the next one going to do? And so taking all these people through all these scenarios at different times, I don't think it's fair to hold a person who has an opinion based on the circumstances in that time frame against them mm-hmm. 30 years later when society has grown, evolved, and changed. Right. And it's much more open and accepting. Like you had to put all that in perspective. Mm-hmm. When Kevin Hart said what he said, I bet you it was probably really funny to everybody listening. They probably had the same opinion. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, fast forward, however many years later, people are more open. He doesn't really feel that way mm-hmm. about gays. Um, you know, and then not even put it in perspective. He may feel that way about his own son. I don't think he'd kill his son. But right. you know what I mean? He may feel that way. He might be very disappointed and very unhappy. Doesn't mean he doesn't like gays. Right. You know, but we're but we're not listening. We're not hearing. Mm-hmm. You know, a man has a son. He has a right to want that son to be his son. Mm-hmm. 
You know, that's a very proud moment for him. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, as he grows and matures with that son, Mm -hmm. he realizes he's going to be a son no matter what. That's his child no matter what. And so, you know, hopefully... I don't know that much about Kevin Hart, but hopefully he's evolved too. <laughs> well, he to, seems he seems yeah. to be very evolved. And and if you watch the Netflix mm-hmm. show, I sound like I'm I'm just a Netflix kind of guy. But anyway, um, the show just <laughs> really inspired me. But it's um you know as you watch, you find out that you know he he loves all people, and there's his staff is filled with people from all different walks of life, and so he's very accepting now. But you know it's culturally sometimes you are taught to think a specific way sometimes Mm -hmm. it's within your circles things that you'll joke around about which are very inappropriate outside that circle and then suddenly Mm -hmm. you're outside the circle you're in the habit of making a joke or whatever and then people are like wow man that's that's dark that's you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. know it's like james gunn back when you know he was working for trauma films which is r-rated slash gore kind of stuff and he made some jokes about rocket raccoon and groot back when he just you know got hired to um, to take the helm of Guardians of the Galaxy. It was before he even started writing a script. And so he made some comments, and of course that's what made Disney say, oh, well, you know what? Uh, he's not going to be around for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And he he said, yeah. he said you know, hey, I, I was wrong. I have evolved. I've changed. I'm in a better place than I was back then. But if you want to hold it against me, that's that's fine. That's your prerogative, and I respect that. And so he just stepped down, yeah. stepped away from it. And then eventually they came to their senses and said, wait a minute. You know what? We can't say that people don't change because we all evolve. And if we're not open to that evolution, I mean, it's some of the people who still hate, um, oh, my gosh, what's the guy's name? Braveheart. Um, I don't know why I'm having a brain fart. Um, gosh. <laughs> What I don't know why I can't remember his name. Big time actor. He bought his own island and um, he did Passion of the Christ, oh. Mel Gibson. And so, you know, oh, yeah. you have someone who who got drunk and I'm not excusing any of the stuff that he said. It was very derogatory about groups of people and individuals and all that. But to say that he can't change means that we can't change. And will we not mm-hmm. want the opportunity to change? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So one takeaway before we wrap it up is if the listeners would think about who listens to them, who's a good listener in their life, and are you a good Mm -hmm. listener in return? Do you have that symbiotic relationship? And if not, work on it. Because it it does take work. It's like anything. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to make something, you have to pour the work into it. Thank you for listening to this episode of 18 Degrees Below Horizon podcast. Follow us on Instagram at 18 Degrees Below Horizon and on Twitter at 18 Degrees Below. You'll find links to your host social media accounts there too. If you have topics you want to hear discussed, reach out to us via social media or our extra long email address, 18 Degrees Below Horizon podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, remember, happiness is possible.